podcast covering the main tax developments in Ireland. My name is David Moore, Tax Associate Director with Grant Thornton. Today we'll be discussing latest in tax, including income tax and CAT filing extensions, public consultation on research and development tax credit, along with the Knowledge Development Box, reduction in VAT on energy bills, update from revenue on the debt warehouse regime, and much more. I am joined by my colleague Jim Kelly, Director of our Transactions and Corporate Advisory Team with Grant Thornton. Revenue released an e-brief on the 12th of April announcing an extension to the Ross return filing and payment date for income tax and capital acquisitions tax filings for 2021. For taxpayers who filed their 2020 income tax return, Form 11, and made their respective payment through Ross for their 2022 preliminary tax obligations and their 2021 income tax obligations, the due date is extended to Wednesday, the 16th of November, 2022. For beneficiaries who receive gifts or inheritances with valuation dates in the year ended the 31st of August 2022 and who make a cart return and appropriate payment is made through Ross, the due date is also extended to Wednesday the 16th of November 2022. To qualify for the extension, customers must both pay and file through Ross. Where only one of these actions is completed through Ross, the extension does not apply and the required date to submit both returns and payment is no later than the 31st of October 2022. The Department of Finance published a public consultation on research and development tax credit and knowledge development box on the 14th of April 2022. The Department of Finance noted that the purpose of this public consultation is to consider the current challenges facing firms who are active in the R&D and intellectual property space, as well as the implications of recent domestic and international tax reforms for these two reliefs. All inputs will be considered in the context of this year's budget and finance bill. The public consultation is asking stakeholders to give views on specific questions noted in the consultation document, provide details of any alternative approaches, details of issues not covered in the consultation document, comment on the direction you would like to see tax policy in this area develop, and much more. The consultation period will run from Thursday the 14th of April to Monday the 30th of April 2022. Minister for Finance Pascal Donoghue TD announced that there will be a reduction in the VAT rate from 13.5% to 9% on energy bills. This reduction is due to take effect from the 1st of May 2022 and is due to remain in place until the end of October 2022. It was noted that this reduction will result in an estimated cost of approximately €46 million Euros to the Exchequer. It was also announced that the additional once-off fuel allowance payment of €100 Euros was agreed and signed off by the government. Minister Donoghue noted that the temporary VAT rate cut was being introduced in recognition of both with the challenge of the cost of living, but also in particular to offset increase in carbon tax, which will take effect from the 1st of May. He further noted that we've always said we won't be able to cover all the costs that are out there because of international factors. But I think if you compare Ireland with other European countries, I think our level of supports are very at the very top of what countries are doing. This announcement comes after a temporary reduction in the excise duty applied to petrol, diesel and marked oil gas, which was introduced on Wednesday the 9th of March. On the 31st of March 2022, revenue written to the Minister for Finance, Pascal Dunahu TD, providing an update on the debt warehousing regime. The statistics published by revenue showed that at the end of January 2022, almost 105,000 businesses were availing of the scheme with over 3 billion in tax debt warehoused. It was further noted that the total debt eligible for the scheme since its introduction was 30.9 billion euros. However, 90% of the debt has been paid. Revenue also confirmed that it will be contacting all businesses availing of the debt warehousing regime, confirming that the debt remained free until the end of period two, i.e. the 31st December 2022 or the 30th of April 2023 in certain cases, and that in order to remain in the regime, businesses must remain up to date on all their tax filings. Revenue have given businesses until the end of April 2022 to bring all of their tax filings up to date. If these filings are not completed by the end of April, the interest-free period and reduced rate of 3% will no longer apply to their warehouse tax debt. 
the Collector General, Mr Joe Howley, noted, coming towards the end of the year or early next year in the case of businesses impacted by public health restrictions introduced in December 2021, a member of my team will make further contact with each business availing of the debt warehousing scheme. Revenue will work with each business to put in place a tailored payment arrangement for its warehouse debt over an agreed time frame. The payment arrangement will take account of the financial circumstances of the business concerned and a reduced rate of interest of 3% will apply for the duration of the agreed payment schedule. Revenue published sample copies of these letters being issued to businesses availing of the debt warehousing regime on their website. As noted on our previous podcast, the EU is currently moving forward with a new directive implementing the new OECD global minimum tax rate of 15% for large multinational groups with turnover in excess of 750 million euros. In recent weeks, Poland has vetoed an agreement among EU finance ministers seeking to implement this new directive. EU procedure rules mandate unanimous member agreement for rule implementation, meaning Poland's objection delays pillar to implementation in the EU. The Polish Secretary of State provided that her objection largely hinges on her desire for Pillar 2 explicit legal link to the other main piece of OECD, G20's inclusive framework, being Pillar 1. She noted that we should be mindful of the inadequacy of placing additional burden on European businesses under Pillar 2 without ensuring that digital giants are fully taxed under Pillar 1. On the 5th of April, Revenue updated their tax and duty manual with respect to payments on terminations of an officer employment or removal from an officer employment. Paragraph 4.2 of the manual has been updated to reflect conditions pertaining to the increase of €10,000 on the basic exemption. These conditions are, the employee is not in the previous 10 years claimed relief in excess of the basic tax fee exemption, and the employee is not a member of an occupational pension scheme, or if a member of a scheme, the employee is irre- irrevocably giving up the right to receive a lump sum from such a scheme. I am joined now by my colleague Jim Kelly, Director of our Transaction and Corporate Advisory Team. Hi Jim, thank you for joining me today to discuss the changes to Revenue's quota practice for compliance interventions and what taxpayers should be considering following these new changes. Jim, the new quota practice was released by Revenue on the 11th of February and is due to take effect from the 1st of May. What are the main changes? So there's broadly, David, two areas of change. The first um, reflects Revenue's new compliance framework. Uh, As you remember, the old compliance framework, you had three types of interventions non-audit interventions, which were your assurance checks, aspect queries, profile interviews, verification checks, all that kind of stuff. Also the joint investigation unit visits, they were all classified as non-audit interventions. And it meant that the taxpayer could make an unprompted disclosure in that space. And then you had next level up was a formal revenue audit where any disclosure was a prompted disclosure. And then above that again, you had um, revenue investigations where you couldn't actually make a qualifying disclosure. So under the new code, um, there are graduated levels. Uh, so the new level one intervention is, you know, generic type of compliance reminders, uh, requests to self-review, profile interviews, where profile interviews under the old regime were, were driven by a risk issue. Under the new regime, they're more general get-to-know-you meetings where revenue wants to understand the business and, and meet the, the, the people and understand their systems and so on. Um, and Interaction under the corporate uh, compliance framework will also be uh, level one. So, you, under the new um, regime, you'll have level one, level two, and level three. That's level one. Um, level two is the important one. So, level two is where revenue audit exists, and that's where you're back to prompted disclosures. Under the new level one, it's an unprompted disclosure if you make a disclosure. Under the new level two, you have revenue audit, and you also have the new kid on the block, which is a risk review. So, what's a risk review? A risk review is where where we used to have aspect queries where revenue perceived a risk, but it was still only a non-audit intervention under the old framework. That has now migrated into level two. 
uh, and it's, it's on all of fours with a revenue audit. So that, that that's a serious change. Level three then again uh, is the more serious investigations uh, where revenue would suspect fraud or evasion to have happened. Um, under level two, there are a couple of significant changes where the notification period has been pushed out from 21 days to 28 days, which is helpful. Um, and also the period in which you have to notify revenue that you'd like to make uh, qualifying disclosure and that you need additional time to do so, that's been extended. Uh, the notification had to be done within 14 days. Now you have 21 days to do that uh, for level two. So, so they're important changes. Uh, the other broad changes uh, within the code come from legislative changes. So in the Finance Act last year, which was uh, signed into law just before Christmas, there were two changes, uh, significant ones that, that find their way into the new code. One is in relation to the publication threshold, which as you know, was previously uh, 35,000 and related to the full settlement, the, the tax, the interest and the penalty. Um, the new threshold is 50,000 and it relates to the tax only. So that's so, something of a helpful of change. Um, and the other change relates to offshore matters. As you may recall, back in 2017, uh, legislation was brought in which basically prohibited making a qualifying disclosure in relation to an offshore matter. That was a very difficult thing to deal with because offshore matters are so widely defined. Um, so thankfully they've now rolled back on that and they've reinstated the ability to make a qualifying disclosure in relation to an offshore matter. So broadly two areas of change, that's a quick summary of them. Thanks very much, Jim. I suppose a bit, a bit of a shake-up in the code and what taxpayers are going to expect. And I suppose some welcome additions there, particularly with the extension of the notification period to 21 days and obviously the audit commencement date to 28 days. So those extra seven days um, are, are quite useful to taxpayers in getting their tax affairs in order, and particularly in advance of an audit or an intervention. And then also on top of that, the increase in the publication threshold of 50,000 for tax only is, is very welcome now. Not a huge jumps, I suppose, but still every little helps. Um, it appears then that Jim, that aspect queries are somewhat transitioned to risk reviews under the new code. What is the, the significance of this? Yeah, so what's happened is that under the old regime, as you, as you remember, where revenue perceived a risk, um, they would send out an aspect query which, which addresses the risk and, and, and asks the business to explain it or whatever, but the, significantly the business was still in a position to make um, an unprompted qualifying disclosure. Under the new regime, uh, this is going to be a level two risk review. And, you, and because of that, you'll now be into that 28 days uh, that you mentioned uh, in which you, you'll have to deal with this. You can request an additional 60 days uh, if you want to do so, and you have 21 days to do that. But there, there are a couple of points which are very important. One is that you are now in a situation where you're making a prompted qualifying disclosure as opposed to an unprompted qualifying disclosure. And of course, as you know, the, the penalties are higher for a prompted qualifying disclosure. Um, also, you have that time frame in which you have to deal with it. So that's going to bring a certain amount of pressure onto the business um, in responding within that 28 days. Um, but more importantly, you know, an aspect query generally called out a specific risk issue for the business. But as you know, a qualifying disclosure must address all underpayments within that particular tax head for that particular period. So, for example, if you've got an aspect query to do with, we'll say, uh, benefit in kind on company cars, and the company finds, yep, there's an issue, we need to make a qualifying disclosure. Well, the taxpayer has to ensure that all issues within the PAYE 
area for that particular period are included in their qualifying disclosure. So they're going to have to go and look at travel and subsistence issues. They're going to have to look at contractors. Any area where there's a possible underpayment would have to be reviewed within that very tight time frame that you're dealing with. So it's a, it, it's a very significant change. And where it's coming from is that revenue, you know, have already identified a risk. So they don't see why a taxpayer should be in an unprompted disclosure situation where revenue have effectively identified a risk and pointed it out to them. Um, so that that that's really the I think the the rationale behind the change. Absolutely, I suppose a, a change in mindset is probably required from the taxpayers. Well, whereas historically you would have seen uh, aspect query come in and you would have had time, and as you said, you would have been able to make an unprompted qualifying disclosure. But now, as a level two intervention, you're into prompted qualifying disclosure territory, and also then um, if there's delays, then revenue may escalate to to a revenue order, which is obviously a much more serious matter. Revenue noted in, in the code that the new framework will further enhance their real-time engagement with taxpayers. Should we expect more real-time reviews and engagement with revenue? Oh, undoubtedly. Um, we're already seeing evidence of this. You know, if you consider that uh, POI modernization, which was a move to real-time reporting within the um, employee sector and payroll, um, you know, that came in in January 2019. But of course, very shortly afterwards, we had COVID. Um, so under under POI modernization, revenue will have more real-time information, more so more up-to-date, accurate information, and they'll be getting it in real-time. But because of COVID, they haven't really had a, had a chance to revisit this. A lot of their activity since since then has been around policing the, the COVID supports. So I, I think that's a lot of the activity that we're going to see from revenue is going to be in that space. Um, and, I'll, and we also, also know that real-time reporting is coming for other taxes, such as certain withholding taxes and VAT. Uh, you know, they're all on the agenda for the future, bringing in some form of real-time reporting. So I think we're going to see a lot of it. And I think, I think we're going to see a lot of earlier interventions where you'll be dealing with interventions dealing with the current year as opposed to historic years. So undoubtedly that that is going to be a feature. Most definitely, Jim, and I suppose we've seen cases where um, revenue may have historically looked at a couple of prior years for a particular tax set as part of their audit process, but recently we're starting to see six month periods in the current year. Um, which just goes to show that revenue are targeting much more specific periods and maybe areas um, under specific tax sets. So it's something that definitely taxpayers must be cognizant of going forward. How have revenue yep. given any indication as to how taxpayers will be notified of these interventions now that most businesses operate in a remote working environment? Yeah, indeed, that, 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 that's a good point. Um, you know, revenue have, have what they've committed to is that certainly there will be a paper-based written notification sent to the taxpayer and the taxpayer's agent um, for all of these interventions. Um, they've also said that electronic copies will be sent where possible. I think this is important because, as you say, you know, in view of the, A, the strict time limits for dealing particularly with level two interventions, um, but also the fact that remote working is so common nowadays. Um, I think it's important that the business has an understanding of the correspondence and what it means, uh, how to deal with it, understands the different types of intervention and the various timelines that will apply. So, you know, the sooner that realization uh, is there for the businesses, you know, so they can assess exactly what the requirements are, the better. So I think it, these, these will be very, very important pieces of correspondence to be received from revenue and how they're handled within the business is also very, very important. So I think that that's worth stressing. Most definitely, Jim, I suppose um, having both written and electronic correspondence from revenue give taxpayers a better chance of making sure that they um, 
respond to revenue in a timely manner, particularly with the 21 day, I suppose, period in which to notify revenue of your intention to make a disclosure. Um, then obviously 28 days before the audit commences. Um, it is very important to manage the timelines, as, as you mentioned. Jim, are there any particular areas that businesses should be concerned about? Yes, um, I think there are. Like a lot of the activity that we've seen in, in the last two years from revenue has been around uh, COVID support checks. Um, you know, they, they revenue have actually administered the COVID support, so they're very well positioned to carry out the checks um, and check on, on the business's uh, bona fides in terms of their justification for making the claim, you know, whether it's in relation to the temporary wage subsidy scheme, which I think they've pretty much closed out at this stage, or the um, employment uh, wage subsidy scheme and the other supports uh, which are ongoing. So we'll, we'll still see some checks, I think, for a little while yet around those spaces. I mentioned POI modernization and the real-time reporting, and I think we're going to see a huge amount of activity in that space, and it's going to be very, very current. Um, so that's likely to be a feature probably from the 1st of next month, because as you said earlier, the 1st of May is, is the date of the new code of practice coming into effect. Um, other areas then, you know, I know the rental sector is being looked at, so landlords will need to make sure that they have their, their tax affairs up to date and in order. We recently had the deadline for submission of share scheme returns, um, the RSS ones and so on. So revenue will have up-to-date information in relation to employer share schemes, and I think that's going to be an area of focus, and they've already said they're looking at share option schemes. So I think that's something that we're going to see a lot of. And obviously then coming out of a pandemic, shadow economy has got to be an area that's going to be looked at. Anecdotally, it seems that uh, puppies, for example, were, were a big feature of the COVID period, um, and, and it, it looks like puppy farms are going to be looked at um, as one of revenue's shadow economy um, approaches. And the employment incentive scheme, I think that's that's also one that's been flagged as an area that they're going to look at. Lots to consider there, Jim, um, and a lot of areas of revenue may um, kind of focus our attention on, particularly around um, POIE and, and employment taxes um, and any, I suppose, that and batter the fiduciary taxes the revenue expect um, businesses to operate in a correct manner. Finally, how can businesses and taxpayers stay prepared for revenue intervention to make sure they keep their any exposure to a minimum? Okay, so I think there's, there's probably two things here. Firstly, regular self-review is vital. You know, the, the best space to be in is unprompted disclosure. So by carrying out regular um, self-reviews, um, because we're going to see more real-time interventions, as I said earlier, there's likely a pent-up number of interventions anyway coming out of COVID, so we're going to see quite a lot of activity. I think by carrying out self-reviews, the business demonstrates to, to revenue you know, uh, an ongoing uh, good governance um, and bona fides within the business and, and an effort to keep their tax affairs up to date. Unprompted disclosures, this is the best space to be in because the penalties are lower, uh, considerably lower, you, and you can manage the whole penalty piece. Uh, you can avoid any of the serious sanctions, um, like, such as publication and so on. So I think self-review is the first key and stay prepared in that sense. The second area of being prepared, I think, is, is to to have a look at the code of practice so that the business will understand uh, if it receives an intervention notification, the business will, under, will understand well, what which category, which risk level am I dealing with here? Is it level one? Is it level two or even worse? <clears throat> so that you identify the nature of the intervention, you can consider the time limits that apply. And that's very, very important because while they've been 
you know, introduced the, the 28 day time limit for level two, where it used to be 21 days for an old revenue audit. I mean, that's a very, very slight increase. That time goes very quickly when you're dealing with bank holidays or people on leave or whatever it is. So I think within the business, it'll be very important to actually identify what type of correspondence you're receiving from revenue, what level of intervention it is, and, you know, to take the necessary steps to deal with it and do it, a review and respond. And if necessary, get outside advice. Don't be afraid to go to your advisor and ask for assistance because, you know, there are other nuances within the new code. And I think it's important uh, to deal with it and to protect the business uh, at all costs. Yeah, absolutely, Jim. I suppose when you read your code of practice, revenue, whilst it wouldn't say um, reward, but definitely encourage a proactive approach by taxpayers. And as you said, any level one correspondence or even preempting any kind of issues that you may have in your business by doing by having access to an unprompted qualifying disclosure. Um, so I do think self-reviews are very important. Um, on top of that, as you said, like don't be afraid to reach out to your advisor and obviously read the code of practice for yourselves as well. Like um, it's something that is coming down the track and revenue obviously have put a lot of work and attention into this over the last number of years, particularly through COVID. So I suppose being prepared is obviously the best defense for any uh, intervention coming down the line. Thanks, Jim, for your insight into the changes to revenues intervention investigation practices. That is it for today. Tune into our Tax Time podcast next month where we'll be discussing the latest tax issues that may affect your business. If you need more in the meantime, visit our website where you'll find many fact sheets and insights into the topics we discussed today. Thanks for listening.